Welcome to Service Desk. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kim. How are you doing tonight, Andrew? I am ready for this weekend to come up. Oh. Yeah. Been a rough week? Uh, yeah, it's just one of those, you know, weeks where everyone's short-staffed and, Ooh. you know, everything's just kind of hitting all at once. Did, did you get all your Windows 10 machines uh, put out there? Did you beat the 14th? I, I can neither confirm nor deny it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I will. I will say those that haven't been upgraded. So no, um, companies can enter into a sort of service agreement with uh, Microsoft to keep getting updates. Hmm. I did not know that. That's cool. Yeah. But you have to pay like per device and it's it's expensive. So you don't want to do that, at least not for long. Sure. But it's a good like, oh, crap, we still have 100 that we are not done with. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. The um. I have dealt with, uh, just tonight, actually, I was kept late because there was a company that had not yet installed any Windows 10 machines. And so they were in the process of just starting and surprise, surprise, they ran into issues installing this particular software uh. or rather getting a piece of this software. They, it installed okay, but like the printer issue that I have complained about every podcast was hitting for him and like I have instructions but the dude called at 4:53 mm, at that point you know <sighs> I was supposed to leave at 5 I didn't get out until 5:20 because well I was closer yeah. to 5:30 by the time I got to my car but you know like it just I understand you are under a timeline because you have waited until now to try to upgrade to Windows 10, and you are now officially past time, unless you've entered whatever agreement that is, which I didn't know existed until today. Um, but come on, dude, like, having one small piece of this not function after you just have gotten the whole machine set up, just don't, don't call at 4.53. Just don't. Yeah. I Leave mean, it you for know the next you're... You know you're imp uh, impacting someone else's day if you call at that time. Yeah. And apparently, yeah, well, anyway, it's just one of those, like, everybody has just been having a crabby day, and there's going to be a big snowstorm underway, and everybody's, like, freaking out, and, yeah. Yeah, it's a big talk around here, too. Oh, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it'll be good, but, you know, it just... It, everybody gears up for these things in their own way. Yeah. I do it by not really buying anything and just uh hoping you have enough. House. <laughs> I, I, I did buy an extra zucchini and one extra cucumber. And then, you know, I have four bags of microwave popcorn and like three apples. You are such a, a single boy. Top ice cream. You are such a single boy. <laughs> oh, I have a ton of canned soup though, so Oh, okay, good. Like it's it's an addiction when I see like Progresso or Campbell's soup when they're like on sale. Oh yeah, I always buy them for a dollar, and I don't have room for it. I don't know why I'm doing it. <laughs> I well, that's you know, what you're if eating. If there's an apocalypse, come to me. But I'm not eating them. <laughs> oh, well, that's a problem. But yeah, I know like, what I, you mean. I, I do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's the same with green bean uh, cans. Oh my gosh, are we the same person? <laughs> uh, maybe 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 we're both just immensely um bachelor focused in our eating habits so when i don't have other people to feed i 100 percent will just open a can of green beans or i will eat a couple of eggs 
and some toast and then like spinach. But is this like a cooking show suddenly? Because, you know, <laughs> I can I can pull a couple things out now. <laughs> uh, no, not tonight. Maybe next week. We can talk about, oh, the technology of, well, do you have an we Instant Pot? We could make it work. I, I love an Instant Pot. <laughs> I'm an Instant Pot junkie. <laughs> Excellent. You give me give me some recipes. I'm an evangelist, but well, I have some news. Um, yeah, we talk a lot about privacy and being safe when you're online, and a lot of this stuff actually comes from those things we talk about called cookies that track and follow you, and you know sometimes they're used for for good things and making sure that you have a a, sh a seamless experience. That's nice, but other times they're used to, to track you and tell who you are, and you know. Um, go a little bit further beyond just targeting ads, but maybe trying to, to force you to go to certain websites that you don't want to, stuff mm. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a big thing right now in the news. Google has announced that within the next two years on their browser, they are phasing out third-party cookies. What? They are going to make it so the browser does not support or allow third-party cookies to track you. Huh. Well, that's smart. First first party, of course, will still be okay. So, you know, uh... trust the brands, probably like Facebook, Google, stuff like that. But like home homebrewed, you know, um chocolate chip cookie instantpotrecipe.com. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. cookies aren't gonna aren't gonna be able to run and track you on Chrome. Which basically means the internet cuz other, you know, because Internet Other Explorer or whatever is coming next for the Microsoft the Edge is now running Chrome. Um, the other new one that I just started using called Brave, well, not just, not just, um, but Brave is also a Chromium base. So, yeah, yeah that's awesome. So, yeah, I, it was uh, something I was a little surprised, but that's gonna it makes sense. You know, mm. they're going to try and for their own business, you know, to use their own services and. Oh, of course. I'm sure there's going to be a, a a wave of now companies trying to make themselves look like first tier cookies or whatever. Yeah. Like there all there's always a way, but I appreciate that they're starting to at least um I I tamp down, I guess, the excessive third party cookies because that was another thing um I don't know if you're familiar with the European uh-oh, GD P, yeah. whatever yep. that thing is. I know um, what you're talking about this way. Yeah, the I, data protection, to, yada, yada, yeah. yada. So in Europe, they, they enacted that a couple of years ago now. And with that, one of the things was that they had to tell you every time you go to a website that they are recording cookies of you being yeah. there. And every website, if they're okay in the Euro European Union, which is a good chunk of them, um, they will tell you when you go first go to their site, we record cookies. Are you okay with this? And you have to say yes. And that's called opting in. No, versus... you don't. I, I recently learned this and it blew my mind. This ad, you can just say no. Oh, really? And, and you can the still website do the work? website. Huh. Yeah. Or like um, a lot of them, I've, I've been doing it just for fun now. And a lot of them, you'll say no. And then it brings you to a, an agreement where it deselects like advertising and privacy and all this stuff and just has necessary website cookies. 
That's... But I just never, I never thought about it. Just hitting the X button instead of hitting OK. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to try that. Some of them are a real pain in the next, though. I'm sure. Where the screen, if you hit no, just like takes up like three-fourths of the web page. Of course, yeah. So you're effectively just... You can't yeah, actually to... see it, yeah. Yeah. But yes, you don't have to hit yes. Well, I apparently don't care about my privacy. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, that's that's really cool. I uh, I kind of... I wonder how that's going to look moving forward if some of those sites just won't keep cookies then. Or if it'll just be more degraded or something. I think it'll just something. be them using, you know, the official first party ones. It'll probably cost the sites a little more. I don't know how cookies work, to be honest. But Yeah. I mean, they're, they're kind of necessary, but I think they kind of went a little too crazy in recent years on what they were tracking. Well, and that's just it. Because there's cookies, and there's super cookies, and they're, like... All of these things that tie together to make it like, yeah, from a marketing perspective, it is great to be able to look at a single user and track where they're going across the web so that you can go, okay, this person likes cars because they searched for whatever car site or brand or whatever and then they went to this site and then they went to this site and pretty soon they were ordering diapers so you know something like that where it's like i understand that from a marketing perspective being able to be like okay people who like cars have babies so we can cross promote these things and it won't necessarily be completely off the rocker um that makes sense but it sucks when you're the one that's being tracked across the web and all of a sudden you start seeing these ridiculously relevant things pop up in Facebook that are almost scary <laughs> and it's just because of their the tracking of your internet browsing it sucks yeah but so they can track your cookies uh on the internet but phone calls are a little bit harder to track or are they <laughs> bum 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 <laughs> I mean, you can tap phone calls. That's always been, not always, I guess. That's been a thing for ages and ages and ages. Because if the government can't spy on your communications, I mean, what are they really doing? <laughs> but yeah. I mean, that's a deep question. <laughs> and I completely dive-bombed the entire podcast. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, the basic telephone we don't talk about it much anymore because everybody's got a cell phone and even if you do have a landline you let it ring because that's what all of the political people use to try to contact you yeah. and so consequently it, I, I don't know about you but the landline that we have here oh you probably don't have a landline i was gonna say i personally like at my home i have not had a landline since I left for college back in 08. That doesn't surprise me. We have a landline in our house. We have not actually had a real call come into that for ages because it's always pollsters or telemarketers or something that you don't even want to answer. So our voicemail is full and we just never answer it. <laughs> like, why do we have this thing? Regardless. Um, but it started off. Um, actually, it did not technically start with the telephone. It started back with um, just the, uh-oh, crap, what's it called? Telegraph. There we go. 
where they um, just used the uh, Morse code to send things over electrical wires because you could do basically it was electricity in bursts. So if you had a, a long burst, it was a line. And if you had a short burst, it was a, a dash. And so they could do Morse code that way. So that kind of traveled into, well, if you can do little electric bursts for sounds like that, then you can do electric bursts for more sound range. And so that's where, you know, Alexander Graham Bell came in and he created the whole like receiver versus speaker kind of thing. And they had sound going across wire, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. And then from there, radio waves and yada, yada. But so with that sound going over the wire, it was just very basic. But um, when they were dialing, then rather than basically they kept the Morse code on the dialing part. So if you if you've ever seen one of those old rotary phones, <laughs> the ones in the movies where you you spin it, yeah, like, ving ving, yeah, and then it goes, yeah. and it depends on how how far you swing it around for how many it makes. But those came about after the hand up to the ear ones, where you just talk to an operator or whatever, and they patched you through, literally taking one cord out and plugging into into a different hole, depending on who you were talking to. So then they they went with the to count how many numbers and you had to pause and do the next number and pause and do the next number. And that was telling it where to go. And then we got to the dialing that was still sound, but it, you know, the sounds of uh, the numbers made a difference. And so this was all basically on the same kind of wire. Some of it was some upgraded like a machine was able to direct you versus a person for those the and then the dialing and then by the time you got past that you got to the point where wireless phones could become a thing and it's still the same kind of concept of things are traveling over a wire mm -hmm. to a location um but with the cordless phones in the house then it was using radio frequency to speak back to the the base unit and then be sent off on the line and so that's the basic concept of what a telephone is and you know communicating by voice is better than not communicating at all especially with grandma because have you called your grandma recently or your grandpa or whomever you have left man i did not come to just be <laughs> guilt tripped what it's worth i have not called my grandma recently now i feel bad because she's dead and now i'm sad you are rocking this uh podcast out here kim you're welcome <laughs> Uh, so anyway, <laughs> so your base home phone basically isn't used anymore because nobody wants telemarketer and political polls coming to their house. Yeah. Even my parents, who previously had a landline and track phone, have finally upgraded and joined the 21st century and gotten actual smart cell phones. <laughs> so like, if my parents can do it, most people can handle it. But um, in a business setting, it's a little bit different, right? Yeah. Well, because not only are you, you know, needing the number for people to call in from outside, but you have to have a whole segmented uh, network, basically, with a bunch of numbers within that number. Because people call, say, 555-5555. But then within 555-5555, oh, man, this is going to get complicated. <laughs> within within that business number, you know, you have your own extension sitting at your desk. 
and so does Bob yes. next door and Julie at the other end of the office who totally cooks fish in the microwave every day and everybody everybody looks yeah. I hate Julie. Yeah. She's the worst. But she Don't needs cook fish in the microwave. So you need to have all these different kind of the best way to say it I think is just I don't know. Sub phone numbers? Yeah, like sub yeah. So there's a couple different kind of like base architectures for this. Basically there's three. And the the first one is kind of going to be your quick, easy, dirty. I think it was one of the oldest ones out there. But it's basically just a a dumb system which allows for very simple routing. No like computer programming, stuff like that. Um, but it's limited. It's called KSU, which stands for Key System Units. And I, I would say a lot of people, I don't know if they've really had interactions with it because you're very limited to a company or a uh, basically a phone number that has less than 40 people. It's like a hard number. There, You can't have more than 40 lines on it. Okay. So like if I had my own phone number for my business, then I could have 40 employees that had extensions within yep. that. And, and it's just simple, cheap, easy to run. But I mean, that's, that's all you're going to want to, that's all you're getting from it. It's just a simple, cheap, easy system. Okay. So, but jumping ahead now, and within all of these, there's different exceptions like they all have hosted and cloud versions and but okay. these are just kind of the basic ones the next step up though is what most people i think are more familiar with without knowing it and it's called pbx which is private branch exchange okay and it's similar to the first one um but it has the ability to be able to have programmable logic for call routing so, you know, oh, you can okay. have like those phone menus, you can have automatic routing where, oh, this phone's out, so we're going to switch to this phone. Oh, okay. Yep. Gotcha. And the huge benefit to this system, too, is it's basically always on because it has, it relies on UPSs, which are the uninterruptible power supply, basically mm -hmm. big batteries. So, yes. you know, back at home, when your power goes out, you know how your phone still has powered because yes. it's running off of power from the actual line itself right, right this right. isn't like that but it's still the same concept <laughs> where you're, you're getting power even when there's no power so it, it's a nice fault tolerant system that a lot of companies go for because it's you're not getting anything too crazy you're getting a lot of customization it's very scalable you can have a ton of different lines and um and yeah. scalable just means that you can go up and down in the number of things that are attached to it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's usually if bigger, you have, yeah. you know, a big growth of employees or, you know, a um, workforce uh, adjustment process and you suddenly have a lot less. Basically, yes, it, 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 it can scale a little bit there. But then the next one, which is kind of uh, exciting for me, and it, it's it's powerful it's new it's modern a lot of companies are looking to switch to it and that's going to be your uh your voip which is voice over ip mm -hmm. internet protocol yep so if, if you can kind of think of it you're you're using the same kind of technology as you would like if you were to be on like a skype call with no video okay so you're using the internet to talk kind of like what you and i are doing right now when we record this podcast yay discord mm -hmm. Yeah, we're using a system called Discord, which transmits our voice, and we're basically on a phone call together. It's just 
better. Right. There's more ways to join into that yeah. phone call. The the downside is though for VOIP is you need to you need to be aware that it's going to take up additional network resources. So you need to have a good internet connection. There's new modern technology that's been made that actually helps improve it on slower connections, but you still need to have something more than just maybe what you have. Right. And then it's also it's significantly more expensive. Right. And one of the things with uh, voiceover internet, it's a lot more customization. And that means that a lot of time you have to have, well, like you said, it's more expensive, but you also have to have somebody who knows what they're doing in order to do it. Because a lot of, especially like the super simple networks, but you know, a lot of those other ones, you set it up once and then it's just like, oh, Janet is now at this line where Julie was before. And so mm -hmm. you just update one little piece here or there. Whereas with the, the, the VOIP stuff, there's special phones that you have to use and there's a lot more setup per person. But it can also help on like I know personally at a call center. We have certain um, queues that we can be in depending upon which portion of our customer base we're supporting, basically. Mm -hmm. And so depending upon how that's all set up, like I can be in 18 different queues potentially and I can be available to them at different levels depending upon which queue I'm more proficient in, I guess. And so with those kind of things, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult to manage if you don't know what you're doing and so there's entire sometimes sections of the company that are just doing phones <laughs> and <laughs> you, you kind of hit on this too but with voip you're, you're not really using your standard telephone mm -mm, mm -mm. but what that opens up is the ability for something called a soft phone which yes. i used to not like them but they're getting seamless now where Basically, you don't really have a phone. You just have a software on your computer and yes. then a headset. Yep. So like you said, you know, uh, you could be at home. You could be on the road. I've uh, called someone with my VOIP system while traveling on a Wisconsin highway oh, yeah. on my computer. I mean, so it's yeah. very, there's a lot of huge benefits to it. So you see that price take and you see those requirements, but... Um, if you have a company that can utilize it, yeah, it's, I think, worth looking into. Yeah, and I think a lot of even home phones now, basically, when you talk about the different non-analog landline options to use at home, most of them are just the internet. <laughs> you know, like, either it's something that's basically a... a an at-home voiceover internet protocol phone, like an actual phone that you can use over the internet, or it is something computer-based, kind of like you were talking about with a soft phone, that is actually usable just as your landline. But the problem, in some ways, with this is it's all internet-dependent, again, and in some ways it's good because, you know, telephone line goes down, you're done until it's fixed. Mm -hmm. Internet goes down and a lot of times you have backup, like you can do a cell 
uh, data plan or you can do like there's other ways to, to juke and jive around that. Whereas if you're on an analog telephone line, if it's down, it's down. There's no juking or jiving. It's just <laughs> and they're trying to make that smarter as well. Um, but I think they're probably pumping more into making the Internet be available more places and be more resilient than they are into making analog phones be <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's kind of one of those situations where you know uh i think in very close years to come you're probably not going to have a phone system that is analog anymore just with the way systems run the the amount of data that's being carried and even if it is a phone line there's now um what is it called DS- it's not dsl adsl analog digital something Ooh, something yeah it's it's like a, a mix kind of between the two mm-hmm. and so it's like it's technically still using some of that infrastructure um a lot of it has been upgraded to the point where it can handle more data um but like you know when telephones started off it was uh, a twinned wire is what it was called and basically it was one wire would carry it in and one wire would carry it out and so there may be a little delay depending on how far away you were trying to talk to somebody, but um, that was the basic concept. And so then as it's expanded and you've had more lines and you've had more whatever in your home, there's been more added to that cable. And so now it can carry digital signals, which a lot of times if, well, we were talking about, Sam and I were talking about uh, how credit card machines work and it's over that analog phone line. Oh, so it's... Yeah. Basically, it changes the digital signal into something with sound, and then it's transmitted over the analog telephone line. And that's basically what internet is over those lines. So, like, those digital phones are, like, there's some super-duper fancy-looking futuristic telephones now that, like, one looks kind of like a, almost like a sculpture. It's really pretty. <laughs> yeah, you, can, you, you shared that before the, before the, uh, the 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 podcast here and i don't know like i said it, it kind of reminds me of the whole trend to have like hamburger phones and football phones but i don't know i had the clear one thank you very much <laughs> where you could see all yeah. the things inside I, I, and all I, the things I were like pretty too. colored i was definitely a hamburger one though oh yeah okay yeah. <laughs> so there's still kind of i think a place for at least the infrastructure because we got a lot of telephone lines across this country, like yeah. a lot. And yeah. if we just stopped using them all together, it'd be kind of a waste. Well, they're actually kind of looking to to find ways to. I remember reading that they're trying to find ways to use those for non phone things now too, because there's. Oh. I I can't remember. I'd have to do some research on it, but I remember because they're saying you know like you said there's so much infrastructure already built that it would just be such a sad waste to kind of just throw it away, so to speak. Exactly. And it took a long time to build up all of the infrastructure for telephones. Because, you know, like, now we're getting to the point where the internet is available everywhere. It might not be the best internet, but it's at least there, you yeah. know. We're not South Korea yet, but... No. Well, and I was looking at internet that's available here in Podunk, Nebraska. And, like, we, in this particular town, have really good internet, respectively speaking. Like, it's not super, super good, but it's significantly better than I would anticipate in Podunk, Nebraska. And um, I was looking at other options around because I had friends who were like, oh, we don't have any decent internet options. And I was like, oh, you got to have something. And there's these, 
I I don't even know how to explain it, but it's like it come like they put up a tower in town and it's almost like localized wireless. I don't know how to explain it, huh. but it's like a satellite of the this one is called diode and they have a satellite that's like hooked up to the water tower here in town. And then you have to have a receiver on your house in order to get the internet signal. And then you're at the mercy of, you know, like satellite TV, only much more localized (laughs) for internet connection. It's bananas. But anyway, like that's the best they can do because it, they can transmit it um, tower to tower then and have a decent signal by the time it gets to somewhere, but it has to be, it's a highly localized thing. So it's like within maybe a hundred miles of the, the base of wherever the internet's coming out of originally, or maybe a couple, maybe it's a few hundred miles, but like, it's not very wide berth. And so you can't have a lot of that because obviously then the signals would all get jumbled. Yeah. And so it's just a whole, like, I had never thought of it, but it, it's much more realistic than laying fiber everywhere. So anyway, that's infrastructure talk that I don't fully comprehend. That that's that's telephones. <laughs> <laughs> but uh long story short, um landlines are not going to be a thing going forward. So it will be interesting to see what we do use all that infrastructure for. If you want to ever contact us, you can't really call us. But you can definitely send us an email or uh, submit a ticket, so to speak, by reaching out to us at servicethatspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, I might change that up soon. But uh, with our lovely Patreon supporters, uh, which you can do by going over to patreon.com forward slash servicedeskpod, you can support us and help to pay for the shiny new website that I'm in the process of building over on Squarespace. We're not sponsored yet, but we should be. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> I thought all spo- I thought all podcasts had a sponsorship by Squarespace and uh, a home meal company. And don't forget Casper and MeUndies. I-, I haven't heard a lot of Casper. Not lately. Oh, that's true. They kind of fell off. Anyway, uh, or you can go find us on Twitter at ServiceDeskPod or Facebook, and then our website, which is currently just a coming soon for the new, uh, yeah. So uh, look for all those lovely changes to come. There will be an RSS feed switch over. So I'm not sure how that's going to work yet. We'll see how that transition goes, hopefully smoothly. Well, I'm Andrew. And I'm Kim. And And we we are are your techie techie friends. friends.